Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Coming up on DTNS, Amazon and Apple launch new fitness products. Reddit goes head to head with TikTok and one of the biggest cyber attacks on government and corporations possibly ever. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, December 14th, 2020 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood adjacent, I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Joining us today on the show, freelance tech journalist in Australia, Peter Wells. Welcome back. Thank you, Tom. And also principal CTO advisor, LLC, Keith Townsend. Welcome back as well. Thanks for having me. Uh, we are going to have a good conversation about that cyber attack. Uh, thank you both for joining us. Uh, we were just having a conversation about the new Amazon distribution center across the street from Keith, which might bring him faster deliveries and has brought him mice. If you want that conversation, you're going to have to get our wider conversation. Good day, Internet. Become a member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. EA reached an agreement to acquire the UK-based racing game developer Codemasters in a deal worth $1.2 billion, the company's largest acquisition to date, even for EA. This comes after the game publisher Take-Two Interactive announced last month it had reached a deal, an agreement, to buy the developer, being Codemasters, for $971 million. So EA beat them out. Codemasters is mostly known for its Formula One and dirt racing game franchises. Amazon's autonomous vehicle startup Zoox, spelled Z-O-O-X, unveiled a production robo-taxi that can run for up to 16 hours and does not include a steering wheel. The vehicle has motors in both ends and can travel in either direction at up to 75 miles an hour. Zoox plans to eventually launch an app-based ride-hailing service with its vehicles sometime after 2021. Apple launched a web-based version of its Shazam song identification service. Apple bought Shazam back in 2017. Approximately available, appropriately available rather, at Shazam.com. Approximately, but also pretty on the nose. The web experience is considered a beta and currently compatible with Safari, Chrome, and Firefox on macOS and Chrome OS. Adult video site Pornhub removed all videos uploaded by unverified users after the site announced last Tuesday it was limiting uploads to verified users. Uploads are now limited to official content partners or members of its models program. The move comes after a December 4th New York Times investigation found the site hosted videos of people who were underage. Visa and MasterCard subsequently cut the site off from their payment services on December 10th. As of Monday morning, the site had removed almost 80% of videos previously available. 
The U.S. Federal Trade Commission ordered Amazon, ByteDance, Discord, Facebook, and its subsidiary WhatsApp, Reddit, Snap, Twitter, and YouTube to disclose how they each collect and use data from users, how they choose which ads to display to users, and what personal information is used in ad selection. The platforms have 45 days to respond. The FTC used its authority under Section 6B of the FTC Act to compel responses, which gives the agency the power to pursue broad studies separate from law enforcement. All right, let's get fit. Let's. Yeah, we got we got some stuff. Got some stuff. Got some hardware. We got some subscriptions. Amazon's new Halo Halo Fitness Tracker is now widely available for $99.99, so 100 bucks. And you get a unique twist because Halo uses a 3D scan of a wearer's body fat and then monitors their voice throughout the day for tone like are you stressed? Are you tired? Are you excited? That sort of thing to try to get a sense of what your personal body is doing. The first six months of services are free once you buy the band. Afterwards, it costs $4 per month. If you don't have a subscription or you don't stick with it, the Halo is still a thing, but it'll track sleep time, heart rate, and step tracking. It's just a sort of pared-down fitness tracker. And also, we got Apple's Fitness Plus, which launched Monday. Early reviews are out. Some people had a chance to give it a whirl before the public did. And the reviews, somewhat mixed, mostly positive. The Wall Street Journal's Nicole Nguyen said that for $10 a month, which is kind of the going rate for a lot of fitness services, but that's what Fitness Plus is is, is marked at. You know, it varies a tiny bit depending on where you live, but let's say $10 a month. She says it's a good deal compared to other fitness services, but to need an Apple Watch just to make it work at all is going to put some people off. Some people are just in other fitness ecosystems. She says if you forget to charge your watch or maybe you leave it behind, you're traveling, that sort of thing, you can still access videos and do workouts, but you need that Apple Watch to sign up initially. So you can't just be like, oh, I don't need an Apple Watch. You kind of do. CNET's Vanessa Hand Oriana noted that Fitness Plus is easy to use, very beginner-friendly, has 10 different workout types to choose from, but she says it's perhaps not the best option if you're really feeling like you're a pro in any of these categories. She says it's geared for a broader audience, didn't quite replicate her existing routine. She said she did a lot of Pilates. It wasn't totally up to snuff. It didn't really replace what she would like to do when life gets back to normal. And Fast Company's Mark Sullivan noted that for most workout types, Fitness Plus works best if you got a big T right in front big TV right in front of you. You can you can uh, stream stuff on an iPad, on an iPhone. He said it worked okay for certain activities like yoga or strength training on the iPad because you could kind of prop it up, but the iPhone just felt too small. So, so Peter, Keith, yeah, which one are you going to go first? <laughs> uh, I'll talk about uh, Fitness Plus, and I, I, I wish they would have released a free tier uh, when they did this. You know, they've already got it built into the name. There's a plus there. They could have just had... Apple Fitness, where if you own an Apple Watch, uh, then you get, you know, just a couple of uh, really basic training videos to watch for free. I think that would have, um, you know, taken away so much of this criticism of what what I need to spend money after I buy the Apple Watch. Like if if you got a a, a range of of um, uh, yeah uh, activities to do for free built into the Apple Watch, that completely flips that on its head. Yeah, and I'm a little bit uh, disappointed in all of these fitness trackers in general. I'm a pretty mm, decent fitness nut. I'm 82, 83 days into running 5K every day for 100 days. Wow. 
And wow. One of <laughs> oh the gosh. things that one of the things that I really love about my Apple Watch are is the hardware, the software, great, but the social piece of it. None of these guys have gotten close to what I got with my Fitbit from a community perspective. And I don't know if I trust Amazon to do it. And Apple just hasn't done it. Apple hasn't done anything social well and, you know, ever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really wish back in the day that Fitbit um, had sold, uh, had kind of pivoted towards um, software rather than continuing to, to go hard on the hardware. Um, I, I even told the CEO that one time and they told me uh, they're not interested in those ideas. But, yeah, nothing has come close to the, to that social map that uh, Fitbit had. And that's such you know, a used part of fitness. Yeah. I, I currently have a Fitbit premium subscription uh, which you get for 90 days when you get new hardware. And I just happened to have my Fitbit Versa 2 crap out on me a couple of months ago. So I got to start over. I got a new three-month subscription. Uh, I already have on my calendar to make sure to cancel, you know, before I start getting charged. And it's cool. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Fitbit bought Fitstar some time ago. It is competitively priced to something like Fitness Plus. I haven't tried out Fitness Plus. I know for... Some of my VR uh, exercise activities, it really matters who is guiding you through this. You know, even if you're not a total novice at yoga, for example, where you just like need the absolute basics, the instructor, the person who's, you know, pumping you up or whatever, Peloton people will say the same thing. That really matters. It does sound like across the board people said, Apple definitely got a lot of people who know what they're doing and are motivating and try to make all this stuff as fun as possible. But yeah, I, I don't have an Apple Watch. So, uh, you know, this just isn't something that I can dip my toe into anytime soon. All right, folks, uh, tech companies are on the move. In the United States, Oracle has changed its corporate headquarters from Redwood City, California to Austin, Texas. Uh, somewhat symbolic as Orica will keep its offices in California and already had a campus in Austin, but it does follow HP Enterprise, moving its headquarters from California to Houston, Texas, and Palantir, leaving California for Colorado. Meanwhile, TechCrunch has a story today noting that Tencent, ByteDance, and Alibaba, all Chinese companies, are opening regional hubs in Singapore. Uh, Singapore is a hub for a lot of companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Stripe, Salesforce, and Grab all there as well. Now, this is partly to avoid some of the pressure of the U.S.-China trade conflicts, but it's also because of the need for access to the Southeast Asian market. Singapore also has made it easy to incorporate and set up shop there. Uh, so I, I don't know if these trends are related, but it's, it's interesting to see uh, tech companies on the move, uh, moving from, from places you would be accustomed to seeing them to, to somewhere new. Uh, Keith, I know the moves into Texas certainly are notable in the enterprise space. Yeah, they are notable. Uh, there's a huge problem. I know we've talked about it a lot, but diversity and inclusion is a big problem in enterprise IT and tech in general. So I'm excited about this, but my peers in the Valley are pretty uh, – they're, they're spazzing out a little bit. Uh, the HPE is one of those uh, born in the Valley in the garage companies. Oracle has been there forever in Red, Redwood. It's kind of the thing in Redwood. But Houston, Austin, these areas have been growing a lot. My son is moving to Austin for a tech job. There you go. So this is more than just a trend. Yeah. 
uh, back in, in uh, 1999, I moved from Austin to San Francisco uh, to get a job in technology. So uh, we, we're, we're kind of reversing that trend now. And Peter Wells, I mean, Southeast Asia, you're right there next door to that, right? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I will um, head on up to Singapore as soon as I'm allowed to again because uh, it's it's such a wonderful uh, city state. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've been seeing um, quite a few uh, larger corporations also moving their production out of uh, some areas of China into Vietnam and India and things mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I think it's it, I, this this year uh, has shown that uh, you know people need kind of. A diversity in all aspects of production. Uh, you can't just have all of your stuff, all of the things you manufacture coming out of one tiny little pocket in the world. Indeed. All right. Sarah, tell us what Reddit's up to. I will, Tom. Reddit <laughs> announced it acquired the short-form video social platform Dub Smash. The company plans to integrate Dub Smash's video creation tools into Reddit itself. App Annie ranks Dub Smash number two behind TikTok in the U.S.'s short-form video market. It's pretty popular. Dub Smash has been downloaded more than 350 million times. Reddit also cited the app's diverse user base as a major factor. 70% of Dub Smash's users are female, and it claims, quote, about 25% of all black teens in the U.S. use the service. Dub Smash will operate as its own entity and brand within Reddit with its entire team and three co-founders staying on board. But it will integrate Dub Smash video creation tools into Reddit. Reddit introduced native video on its platform back in 2017 and says that video posts doubled in 2020. I get You're- Reddit wanting to to get video creation tools and buying technology. I don't know why they buy dub smash which because reddit is trying to do the right thing they will leave it as an independent entity uh it's it's not like reddit makes those kinds of acquisitions usually that part can that part i'm a little less clear on i remember back in 2017 when native video was introduced i was like is reddit really i mean is is this going to become a whole different platform than what we're all used to and no the answer is mostly no reddit has you know, it's uh, nothing if not consistent in certain ways. You know, you got your subreddits, you got your memes, you got, you know, you know, you kind of know what you're getting depending on where you want to hang out on Reddit. But this, it felt like I was a little, uh, it felt a little left field to me. Like, what are we doing? Like competing with TikTok on Reddit? And like you said, Tom, it sounds like the technology is something that the company is interested in. And hopefully it'll be used uh, in, in, in some sort of way while not taking away from what Dub Smash is already doing really well. So, yeah, I don't know. Peter, Keith, what are your thoughts? This this feels like one of those moments where I realized just how old I am. Um, <laughs> it was the same when Twitter bought uh, Squad the other day, and I was like, what is Squad? Um, you know, yeah, I, I just feel like um, there used to be a time uh, years ago when I'd be on the show where I, I had the beta invites for all of these kind of things, and now I'm just like, oh, never heard of that before. Interesting. Yeah, I have it on my list of follow-ups to ask my 12-year-old what is Dove Smash. Because <laughs> she is, in that 25% black, uh, you would think she might have heard of it. So, how, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's an action item. I've yeah. stayed away from Reddit just as a user. I, I, this is curious. Yeah. Report back. Let us know uh, what you find out. 
about about Dub Smash would be interesting. What do the young people say? Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, listen, uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, if you are like, no, I could have told you about Dub Smash uh, weeks ago. Well, uh, get in our Discord and tell us stuff like that. You can join by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com slash DTNS. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A breach in the Orion network management platform, it's a network management platform called Orion, uh, from a company called SolarWinds, has led to attacks on FireEye, the FireEye attack we talked about last week, Microsoft, and several U.S. government agencies. SolarWinds said Sunday that updates to its Orion platform that happened between March and June may have carried malware as a result of a sophisticated nation-state supply chain attack. SolarWinds says Microsoft noted it uh, noted it notified it of a compromise to SolarWinds Office 365 accounts. It's not sure if that's how the supply chain attack was carried out, but it's investigating. SolarWinds did call for all Orion customers to update to its latest version immediately. That'll partially mitigate this, and it plans an additional patch for Tuesday to fully defend against it. SolarWinds has 300,000 customers worldwide, including most of the Fortune 500 companies in the U.S., Lockheed Martin, Booz Allen Hamilton, PricewaterhouseCoopers, the Federal Reserve, the Defense Department, the State Department, the U.S. Secret Service, the National Security Administration, 33,000 of those customers use the Orion platform. So not all 300,000, but a large number. And SolarWinds believes that 18,000 of them installed the malware-infected versions. Now, not all 18,000 were targeted, but even a small percentage, that's a lot of targets. ZDNet reports that IT administrators are finding signs of the malware on their Orion systems, but few are reporting the second stage payload that would be used to elevate access. So it's believed the attackers targeted specific customers around the world. FireEye, for example, announced the intrusion in its network reported last week was caused by the SolarWinds breach. It has published detection rules on GitHub uh, that you can access if you need them. Microsoft confirmed the SolarWinds compromise in a security alert to its customers and provided countermeasures, including detection rules added to Defender, Uh, The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or CISA, issued an emergency directive with instructions on how all federal civilian agencies can detect and analyze compromised systems and advise them to shut down Orion. CISA advises all hosts monitored by Orion to be treated as compromised until you're certain otherwise. FireEye 
calls the malware sunburst. If you're out there looking around, you see sunburst. That's what that refers to. Although Microsoft has dubbed it Soloragate. Uh, so we, we have a couple of different ways to refer to it. The attack worked by entering the network through the Orion vulnerability, however it got in there, and then gaining elevated credentials once it was in your network. That let attackers forge single sign-on tokens, which would let them impersonate privileged accounts, which allow them to grant new credentials to themselves and gain high-level access. The attackers were able to track authentication controls and access Office 365 at the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, where it definitely monitored emails. It probably did that in other other places as well. FireEye says that each attempted intrusion needed what they called meticulous planning and manual interaction. This wasn't a set it and forget it blast. This was done intentionally to the targets it affected. FireEye says the victims have included government, consulting, technology, telecom, and extractive entities in North America, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. So it's not just the U.S. government. We anticipated there are additional victims in other countries and verticals, says FireEye. And yeah, the U.S. government appears to be one of them. Reuters sources saying that network intruders accessed internal email traffic at the U.S. Departments of Treasury and Commerce and possibly other agencies. The U.S. Commerce Department confirmed a breach and said that CISA and the FBI are investigating. And the U.S. National Security Council reportedly met on Saturday to discuss this issue. Uh, So this is big. It affects a lot of companies. It affects a lot of governments. It affects highly sensitive information. It seems to be meant to gather intelligence by going after email communications. Uh, But let's start with the way it got there, the supply chain attack. Keith, can you explain to us what a supply chain attack is? So... This is one of these attacks that, you know, as the U.S. government has been screaming China, China, China for the past few years, the fear has been that the Chinese government could infiltrate one of our manufacturers or suppliers based in the U.S. I mean, sorry, based in China via the supply chain so they can slipstream or put software or hardware, compromised hardware into the unit before or during the uh, manufacturing or shipping of it. If we remember the whole super micro thing from Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, this would be equivalent to that, but just on a much more massive scale, this was done via software. So the things that we inherently trust and not just enterprise IT, but consumer IT, the update process, that automated process to say, you know what? I, Uh, My program says it's time to be updated. I'm going to hit the update button. And I trust from the point that SolarWinds is uh, distributing the update to the point that my PC gets it, that I trust that update. It is equivalent to Apple or Microsoft or any other trusted enterprise company or consumer company. You asking for an update and getting malware instead. And I assume that SolarWinds, like any other company, has methods in place to try to prevent this from happening. What what are the possibilities that it failed? This is uh this is quite frankly scary. SolarWinds is a proper enterprise IT company. Three hundred thousand customers, uh, four hundred and twenty five of the top five hundred. The they're they're government customers, so they're code is getting audited they go through all the rigors of this place so much so that i've read that one of the reasons why it wasn't detected was because 
SolarWinds specifically requested that you not scan its directories for malware or viruses because it's so trusted. Mm. So the what's scary about the hack? I, I've worked enterprise IT for over twenty years, and one of the things that and we do in enterprise IT for a product like SolarWinds or Ryan, which basically you know it checks other systems: is the email server up? Is the database server up? Is the services running on that up? If it's not up, we'll alert the administrator. They're so trusted that we get exceptions for that security mm, scan. Mm. And we're confident that SolarWinds, from a security perspective, can be kind of uh, absorbed from security scans. So this is this is about as bad as it gets. I mean, it seems like a juicy target for someone to go after. It takes it, a very it, sophisticated attack to do it, though, right? It takes a super sophisticated attack and then to jump off FireEye, if you're not familiar with it, basically... I had to implement this when I worked for Department of Housing and Urban Development as a uh, federal contractor. Basically, it's the keys to the kingdom. It it sits on the edge of the network and filter and goes through all the traffic leaving these agencies. You cannot get an exception if you have a network connection. It has FireEye on it. So for them to hop from uh, SolarWinds and compromise FireEye as a as a advanced attack, this is not, you know, admin one, two, three. This is pretty serious. Yeah, I, I wonder what the fallout is. What We don't know exactly who was affected. Uh, we do know that it was after email and information. Uh, and we don't know, there's some suspicions that it might be Russia behind this, but we don't know for sure. And we don't know what they were after. What kind were they just on a fishing expedition to see what what they could get? Uh, were they going after specific kinds of information, and, and what did they want to do with it? Those are all those are all questions waiting to be answered. And that was an awful lot of effort. And you saw with you know eighteen thousand people being affected, but they but not everyone uh, being impacted. It, it was whatever they got, they probably whatever they wanted, they probably got. Yeah, they were they, they were definitely going after certain targets for sure uh, this this wasn't just a random uh random attack uh so i i doubt this will be the last we hear of sunburst aka solara gate i'm gonna call it sunburst though i think that one's the better name personally yeah <laughs> well another question you might be asking yourself is when do i get to get on another john deere tractor it's been so long uh, virtual reality been at ces for many years back to where I tried out VR for the first time. But for CES 2021, John Deere plans to send Oculus Quest 2 headsets to reporters who might have otherwise come to their booth at CES and talk to them and maybe check some stuff out so that the reporters could get a virtual ride on the latest farm equipment during planting season, highlighting the company's use of AI and satellite imagery for precision agriculture. According to John Deere's public relations head, John Ebert, designing the experience and then sending out the headsets still ended up being less expensive than booking floor space in Vegas for CES. John Deere isn't the first to try a virtual approach. LG and Samsung both used virtual demo rooms for IFA Berlin this year. You might remember that IFA scaled down considerably, but some people were still there in person. Who's the first? Peter, you going to try to get an Oculus Quest 2? We should get one to Sarah, too. I don't want one of these, but yeah, no, I'm I'm all for the the virtualization of CES and and the big tech shows. Um, I I'm really looking forward to 
uh, waking up and putting on my pajamas and going and watching seven uh, different announcements in a row rather than like joining those queues in, in Mandalay Bay at four in the morning to make sure you get a seat in time. I'm all for it. Bring on bring on virtual everything. And it's been it's, so good. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Go on, Sarah. Oh, no, I was just I was going to say like the virtual, you know, you said I don't want a Oculus Quest. Uh, I have one. I, one of my favorite things to do is, you know, there's like a lot of drone footage where you kind of like get to fly over Italy and stuff, you know, and look around. And it definitely is, it feels like you're flying kind of, but I mean, it's not really the same as like having a jetpack on my back and flying over Italy. So I wonder how the reporters will either, uh, you know, report say like this farm equipment seems really great because of the VR experience that we were gotten because we actually didn't get to do a lot of testing in person. Uh, but it sounds like it's probably just pretty good marketing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Keith, you looking forward to a virtual CES? I'm virtual, uh, evented out. I've, I've <laughs> AWS reinvent was literally three weeks, I think, and it's still going on today. Uh, I put on a virtual event earlier this year. I'm just, I'm ready to see people in real life. I'm, I, I, I never thought I'd say this. I miss Vegas. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. That's so. Now we know wow. the now we know the the recovery period for missing <laughs> Vegas. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, conversely, I was like, I don't have to go to Vegas in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I know. This is like a very new world. <laughs> well, it sounds like Keith's virtually exhausted. I'm sorry, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. This one comes from Daniel. Daniel has a question that I think probably a lot of other people are also asking. He says, Disney Plus going up $1 per month. Not all that bad for all that we're going to get. One thing that has always bothered me, though, and that's I wonder about the effect of all the people who share passwords. I have coworkers. I have customers where Daniel works that share with many family members. A coworker on Netflix, for example, has... uh, a coworker that he works with has Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, HBO Max, pays for none of them. And they're shared with eight other family households, siblings, parents, in-laws, cousins. It seems very wrong to Daniel. He says, I can't help but wonder if, if more people paid for what they should have paid, then it would help avoid price increases. I have no idea how the services could control this, though, but it makes me wonder, am I wrong? Well, the thing to remember with sharing passwords or piracy uh, or any kind of hacks around the system like that is they're usually less convenient than paying for the thing, uh, and they aren't lost money. Uh, People who share a password aren't guaranteed to have paid for the subscription if they didn't get the password. Uh, And in fact, Netflix has found that password sharing can work like marketing, which will cause viewers to eventually want to pay for the service themselves so they don't have to share a password and they they don't have to worry about, oh man, I forgot that they changed the password on me. Like people, when they can afford it, do like to be in control. It does have an effect. I'm not trying to say it has zero effect, but it is not a one-to-one of like every person who shared a password would have been a paid subscriber. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember back in the day, um, Netflix, uh, this was at least five years ago, Admitting that uh, part of their their marketing push was uh, allowing when when they would see uh, all all of these uh, family account sharing coming from university dormitories that they were like we we can stop that we could stop that if we wanted to but we realised we were creating lifelong customers there and look if I'm honest uh, I share Disney Plus with uh, another friend of mine we both have kids we never watch Disney Plus but um, we we share a four screen. Uh, pass because I only have one screen in my house and he has two. So, you know, it balances out. I think it's fine. 
And plus, on the whole, would it be cheaper? Just keep in mind, Comcast put a 1.2 terabyte uh, limit on our data on our data caps during a pandemic. So I don't. I don't have much faith that if these guys made more money, they passed those savings on to us. Yeah, that's not how prices get set. That's a really good point. Mm. Well, if you have feedback like Daniel's questions, comments, anything you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to hear it. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We also love to shout out our patrons at our master and grandmaster levels. Today, they include High Tech Oki, Johnny Hernandez, and Dr. X17. Thanks to Peter Wells for being with us this fine Monday or Tuesday, depending <laughs> <I don't> on <know laughs> where you, you live in the world. Uh, Peter, where can folks keep up with your work? Uh, just head on over to Twitter slash Peter Wells, and um, I do a daily po- tech podcast. Uh, I know that's an original thought. It's at thehelpdesk.com.au. <laughs> Go check it Excel- out, folks. Excellent. Also, thanks to Keith Townsend for being with us today, helping us understand a little bit more about security. Keith, where can people keep up with your work? You can find me on Twitter at CTO Advisor, and the blog is thectoadvisor.com. Hey, folks, uh, we love patrons, uh, and that's why we're happy to offer Patreon loyalty rewards. If you like the show, you'd like some perks, uh, you can get bonus episodes, you can get longer episodes, uh, and you can get some merchandise sent to you as a thank you for supporting us. A unique sticker, mug, T-shirt, or hoodie comes every three months to our patrons as long as you stay a patron. Each one has unique art from Len Peralta featuring the DTNS seven-year anniversary logo, then Roger, then Sarah, then me get the details at patreon.com slash dtns hey folks we're live monday through friday 4 30 p.m eastern 2130 utc find out more tell a friend dailytechnewsshow.com slash live we'll be back tomorrow with patrick beja talk to you then this show is part of the frog pants network Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.